Children of God, our salvation comes from God and God alone. Our souls wait for God in the silence of everything. God is our rock and our relief, our hope and our healing. God is our mountain, and we won't ever be shaken. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Fort Street Presbyterian Church's virtual and online uh, worship service. It is so good to be with you here today. Um, I want to just share a little story before we jump in here. Uh, our, our new daughter, Naima, is, is starting to smile. And so uh, at the same time, every night she gets the hiccups. And last night we had the hiccups together. And every time she saw me hiccup, she smiled. And then every time she hiccuped, I smiled, and then Sarah started laughing, and her smiles started to grow and grow and grow. And uh, I share that because I'm an excited father, a real joy uh, grow. Um, we are so excited to be with you here this morning. If you are watching on Facebook, thank you. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. If you're calling in on our Dial a Sermon service, Thank you so, so much uh, for your support and for worshiping with us here this morning.
Amen. We please join me in our prayer of confession. Forgiving God, we know you call us, but we don't listen. We turn around and around and keep going the same old ways we've gone before. You show us new ways and untrampled paths, but we prefer what we know, what's familiar. Convenience. Forgive us, heal us, and lead us back to you so we show others the way. In Jesus' name we pray. In this time of silence, please offer your confessions and your hearts to God. Friends, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that even while we were still sinning and sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah and amen. Our scripture this morning comes to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Listen now for the word of the Lord. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. As Jesus passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away they left their nets and followed him. After going a little farther, he saw James and John, Zebedee's sons, in their boat repairing the fishing nets. At that very moment, he called them. They followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired workers. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray. Good and loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for an opportunity to gather around it and to glean wisdom from you. God, I pray whatever we would hear this morning would come from you and your son and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. John the Baptist has been wrongfully imprisoned by the state at this point in the story. He's been imprisoned for what Representative John Lewis might have called uh, good trouble. He's causing a little too much of it. And so Jesus, as he returns from Satan's temptations in the wilderness, he sees that there is a vacuum in the world. There's no longer a voice like John's crying out in the wilderness for God's way to be made clear. Jesus sees and knows from living as a poor Jewish man under a Roman-occupied state, he knows that the world has to be set right because things are not good. He's lived it. His friends and family have lived it. It seems to me that this would not be an easy decision for Jesus because, well, he could end up like John the Baptist or worse. He could end up on a cross beside other criminals. But the fear of losing his life will not stop Jesus. In fact, he understands that somehow, if he were to lose his life in all of this, he knows that somehow in the injustice of that, in the agony, he knows that if he loses his life, he will find it. This fear will not stop him. The world is crumbling, and he knows that someone has to do something. Certainly, I have heard uh, many people in this church and outside of this church saying that there are problems in this world that we live in today, and they're right. We clearly have a problem with racism, and if you don't think that's true, just Go spend some time Googling how police and National Guard responded to protests over Black Lives Matter earlier last year as compared to protests in the Capitol building over the alleged frauds in the election process recently. The contrast is revealing, to say the least. We have a problem with racism. We have a problem with widespread poverty. Did you know that the wealth gap between America's richest and poorer families more than doubled from 1989 to 2016? That's from Pew Research. Did you know also that in the U.S., the black-white income gap has held steady since 1970? The average household in this country where the primary earner was black made only about 60% of what an average household with a white primary earner made. We know this. We see it. The rich are getting richer. It gets even worse. Listen to this. The top fifth of all earners in the U.S. bring in more than half of all the income made in this country. We've been talking about this as a Matthew 25 church, haven't we? We want to fix those problems. We've seen a vacuum in the world, and we've seen a need to speak about this and to do something about it. But the question always comes up among us. 
Where do we begin? And how? By shouting and screaming on Facebook and sharing funny memes and making our opinions known widely? Well, maybe. That sounds like a great start. But we can't stop there. Jesus begins his ministry, and he must be thinking, where do you even begin to begin, right? Where do you even start? Because this is such a difficult thing, you know, repairing the entire world, setting everything right, fixing literally everything. But we see where he begins, don't we? He begins by going down to the river, being baptized, symbolizing his commitment to follow after God. And then he goes off to the wilderness to be tempted and tried, to see what he's made of, we might say, what God and Satan have in store for him. And now he's back, and he has, excuse me, he has done the work on his own heart, and he's resolved to change his own life. And he starts his ministry by going around and saying to the people, repent and believe the good news. Everyone, Everyone, hey, listen, turn around. You're going the wrong way. If you keep going the same way, it's, it's not going to turn out well for you. God's kingdom is here right now. Jesus says all this and he says, turn around and experience God's kingdom. This is Jesus' way of beginning to set the world right. Jesus dealt with problems of poverty. He says, whatever you have done for the least of these, you've done for me. He's concerned with how we treat those who are impoverished. He also dealt with issues of segregation and racism. You remember the story, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Does anything good ever come out of there? Those people are just worthless. He dealt with that. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan, which dealt with racial issues and tensions at the time and would have been scandalous for Jesus to share. Jesus dealt with similar problems in his world, and he begins to go about healing that world, not by advocating for the government to adopt certain policies, though that's not necessarily a bad thing, And he doesn't do it by hoping for a different and better Caesar that would be more understanding of the disinherited people. Jesus does it by looking people in the eye and inviting them to repent, to turn around, to change their hearts and lives and believe the good news. And he says this indiscriminately, it seems while also inviting them to follow him as he lives this different kind of life. And this is the point that matters, right? Jesus calls them in. He doesn't call them out. Jesus invites them into something bigger than themselves. Repent. 
This is a tough thing to say to a group of Presbyterians. And believe me, as a recovering evangelical Christian of over 16 years, it's even harder for me to say. Repent and believe the good news. You know, it just drums up images of pastors who gave altar calls every single week. Pastors who were always wanting people to come down and make a commitment about this or that. You know, that's not always bad, but for me, it represented a kind of guilt and shame, and that guilt and shame, for me, it's, it's still there in many ways. Now, there are some former Baptists in our congregation out there that are nodding along and saying, I know how this sermon ends. Go for it, Pastor. Bring us home. But we aren't used to hearing it in this kind of church. In fact, as Presbyterians, we don't even have an altar where we might come down and pray to repent or to change our hearts and lives. We actually, we have a table. And and we did away with the altar because we think that Jesus did away with the altar and the whole sacrificial system. And so now we have this table to symbolize that everyone can gather around it and all are welcome. Repent and believe the good news. Change your hearts and lives. But remember this, even as we hear those words and even as they sort of elicit these uh, responses in our guts, remember that that call from Jesus, it's not bad news, right? It's good news. It's the gospel. It's less, you need to do this because you're a worthless lump of a human, And it's more like Fort Street family. Look what God is offering. Look what God is up to. In addition to dismantling structural racism and uh, doing away with eradicating systemic poverty, there's another call or pillar, we might say, to the Matthew 25 venture congregational vitality. And I haven't quite known what to do with this call until now. One of the marks of congregational vitality is what our denomination is calling ecclesial health. This is in opposition to unhealthy dysfunction, toxic environments, irrelevant buildings, meaningless traditions, or obsolete organizational structures. Another mark of ecclesial health is caring relationships among church members and friends of the church. The call generally is for individuals and people in the church specifically to change their hearts and lives. In some cases, the call is to turn around completely as an organization because As we know, many churches in our denomination have been going one way for years and years. The way of decline. The way of emptying pews, dissolving committees. The way of closing the church building. The way of doing the same things the way they have always done those things. The way of stifling creativity and life. 
We've all sat on committees where any new idea or any new thing is not encouraged and nurtured with solution-based thinking, but it's squashed with questions and worries and apathy. We remember the fights. We remember the tears, the confusions. We've all heard someone agonize about our shrinking numbers in the main line and our bleak future, too. But in our denomination, we often don't make the connection between our own behavior as a church and as individual church members and the health and vitality of our church, local and global. We often play our own role in all of that. And so Matthew 5 is calling us to examine ourselves. It's saying along with Jesus here in chapter 1, repent, change your hearts and lives. God's kingdom is near. Come, follow me. Remember, this is not a calling out. This is not a calling out. It's a calling in. And for so long, for many of our churches, we've gone the way of shouting and arguing and whispering secrets and rumors and calling out. We've gone the way of getting angry and our sisters in the church for all of our problems a way of forming cliques and groups to keep some in and others out. We've gone the way of not listening and respecting one another, and it's time for us to turn around, to come back into the church together. And I promise you, this has nothing to do with guilt or shame. It is a divine opportunity. Like, why wouldn't you want to return to that, right? This is good news. You remember the father in the, the prophet tale that Jesus tells in Luke who runs after his son once his son stops running from him. He doesn't stand on the porch looking down on his son and casting aspersions on him, right? He throws a party, a celebration. While his son is still so far away, he runs after him and welcomes him. Because that's what repentance is. That's what turning around and changing our hearts and lives is. It's homecoming. It's homecoming. If we want vitality, right, if we want life, we have to stop. And we have to go the other way. We have to pursue health. And why is that, you might ask, Pastor? Why do we have to do this? Because how can we solve the biggest issues in the world when we can't solve the issues amongst ourselves, right? How can we solve big issues like racism and poverty? How can we even lend a hand when we can't even get along? How can we invite others into what we're doing when we can't get over fights from our past? How can we do anything if we don't love each other first? Repent, repair, reconcile. That's the way of love, justice, and truth. 
and what an opportunity. Our own congregational health and vitality are important too because of something that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, when evil people plot, good people must plan. When evil people burn and bomb, good people must build and bind. When evil people shout ugly words of hatred, good people must commit themselves to the glories of love. Evil people would seek to perpetuate an unjust good bring into being a real order of justice. Fort Street family, let's turn around. Let's go the other way. Let's repent. Let's develop caring relationships among one another. Let's continue to develop the caring relationships that are already going on here. Let's transform the unhealthy dysfunctions of our past into the healthy functions of a brighter tomorrow. Let's take the toxicity in our own lives and run it through the wash and begin to make it clean. Let's begin to heal. Let's begin to work together so that we can plan when the evil plot. So that we can build and bind as evil people burn and bomb. Let's commit ourselves to Jesus. To the glories of love. So that we might lend a hand in the effort to repair our broken world. Amen. invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer along with me. And I want you to know that as you pray that, I know we've got former Baptists, we've got people from all religious walks of life, all Christian walks of life. And so when we get to that prayer, I'm going to say debts because that's what we say here at Fort Street officially. But if you say sins, say sins. And if you say trespasses, say trespasses. There's no wrong way to pray. Let's pray. God of new life and new vision. We pray for people highly placed in power that they may focus their eyes on you. We pray for the lowly victims of power that they may also focus their eyes on you. We pray for those who bless with lips but curse with their mouths, including ourselves. We pray for those who have fallen ill 
Shelley's, the Turners, the Poissons, those at the end of their life too. Give them a gift, O Lord, and fill their beating hearts. We pray for the church and its leaders that we may hear and respond to your call to fish for people. God, you are our mountain of healing through Christ and your Holy Spirit. And so bring us into the new world that you are shaping right before our eyes, even as this world is drifting into invisibility. And now, God, we pray together as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you to our very own uh, Dr. Dan Mikett for the wonderful music. Uh, it's so good. And actually, I want to say I've, I've never stood on the stage, I don't think, and felt the organ as it was playing, but you can feel that thing like rattling your bones, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So thank you. Uh, I have a few announcements for us before we get going. Uh, first, in our adult education series right now, we're, we are discussing Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. This is a great spiritual classic, and I would, I would recommend it to anyone that's looking for uh, something spiritual to read. And I, I just want to leave you with a little nugget of wisdom that we got this morning from our discussion. And this was just one line that one of our elders dropped just in passing. He said, that spiritual power is greater than institutional power. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be weeks. So that is 
location. We normally meet from 9.45 to 10.45 a.m., but next week we're actually going to start a new time. So from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m., we will have adult education. And because we're kind of you know, creeping back into the uh, sanctuary here, we're going to have a hybrid model. So if you want to join on Zoom, we will be available on Zoom starting at 9.30. If you want to come in person, we'll actually have a table set up in the upper room, which is near the pastor's office. We'll have a table set up there, social distance style, and you'll be able to participate in person as well. So that's at 9.30 until 10.30 a.m. next Sunday. As always, you can go and uh, give your tithes and offerings at fortstreet.org backslash give. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that has been giving uh, and that has pledged for this year. Uh, we could not do this without you. And so thank you for your support. Thank you for your uh, time and attention to do that. And thank you for all the love that you've given to Fort Street throughout the years. We are in person next week. Uh, there's going to be a registration link in the newsletter that you got last week. It will also go out again this week. So please, please, if you want to come to in-person worship, make sure you register because there are a lot of things that we have to do uh, as far as paperwork to make sure that we can welcome you back in a safe manner and uh, according to the, the rules that have been set by our governor. And so uh, go online and register, and we would love to welcome you back. Uh, the max amount of people that we're allowing in is 30, and so uh, hurry up and get your spot before they fill. We want to welcome uh, Bailey, baby Caleb David Grosh, Allison Grosh's baby, and Adam, Adam Grosh's baby was born, I think it was uh, a week and a half ago, and so he came out about nine pounds. He's healthy. Mom and dad are doing great, and so, um, yeah, welcome them. If you get a chance, send Allison a text or an email saying congratulations, and you should see a picture on your screen right now of that beautiful little baby boy. So welcome, Caleb. As we begin to welcome you back to the church, uh, your operations committee, the fiscal ops committee, and the session have been sort of working through some construction and some renovations. So you will notice a mess, uh, and that is not anyone's fault other than you can blame the session, but we're just in the process of reorganizing, renovating, and we promise that mess will be cleaned up shortly. Um, but uh, come, come by, and if you want an explanation of, you know, hey, wh what's going to happen, I would love to sit down with you and sort of explain to you all of the work that's being done here. We are going to have a Black History Month concert online February 12th at 7 p.m. And uh, Dr. Dan Mikett has invited uh, a professional baritone, Ezekiel Andrew, who has done a number of great works. In fact, you should go and Google him or YouTube him. Uh, his piece in the uh, musical Ragtime is absolutely beautiful, and you will not be disappointed. But he has actually agreed to help us with a uh, concert celebrating Black History Month. And so we've got that. We've got a number of other singers, and we'll have some even more um, interesting and insightful videos for you during that. So that is February 12th at 7 p.m., and we'll have more information to come in the future. 
And my final announcement in this long list of announcements is that we are having a special congregational meeting immediately following this worship service. Uh, and there will be no coffee hour, so the meeting is in lieu of coffee hour. The meeting is uh, to welcome in our newest class and slate of officers, so session members and deacons. And we'll be voting on that and then going through a brief uh, ordination and installation service. And so we would love to have you there to join us uh, if you've never experienced ordination or installation. And even if you're not a member, come see what it's like. Come see how these people operate. And I think you'll learn a lot about our group uh, just through that meeting. So that's immediately following this on Zoom. It's the same link that you use uh, to get to coffee hour. It should be in the newsletter. It's definitely on the website. Uh, and if you don't have it there, just write in the comments box right now. Say, hey, Amy, I don't know where to find that link. And she can drop it in for you before the meeting starts. So that's immediately following worship, special congregational meeting. Friends, as we go, may the God of second chances and third chances and fourths and fifths renew your sense of call and inspire you to go out and to share the good news of Jesus. Amen.